Hi, this is Jerry, and welcome to the first Patriotic Voices podcast. This podcast is dedicated to honoring our veterans. Some of our podcasts are going to be more informational, like today, but the majority are going to focus on capturing our veterans' voices through interviews. This podcast goes along with a website, patrioticvoices.com, which has a blog and will feature photos of our veteran guests. If you are a veteran and would be interested in sitting down and talking, you can email me at jerry, J-E-R-R-I, at patrioticvoices.com. You can also find me over on Instagram at Patriotic Voices or over at Facebook, Patriotic Voices Honoring Those Who Serve. The first blog that is up kind of focuses on why. You know, why am I doing all of this? Something that's been several months in the making and maybe in some ways years in the making. You know, I've supported our veterans in many ways over the last couple of decades, whether it's donations, purchasing t-shirts, attending benefits and stuff like that. But it really didn't feel like it was enough. You know, I felt like I needed to do more. And honestly, you know, it was kind of like driven kind of, you know, what is my purpose? And this is something, you know, honoring our veterans and supporting them was kind of what I've landed on. Uh, Doing this podcast is, as I say, a thousand percent outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I like to be behind the scenes, you know, which is probably one of the reasons why I enjoy photography as much as I do, because I get to direct. I get to kind of be the one uh, presenting that picture to the world to say, hey, here's how this is my take. This is how I think that the situation is exciting, but I'm not putting myself in the front. I can just like, hey, let the you know the picture speak for itself. Whereas this, totally out there in front. So it, it's going to be an interesting ride, I hope. Um, you know, fear has been <laughs> kind of the uh, looming overhead over the last couple of weeks, really, and especially the last couple of days, as I finally kind of sat down and. Uh, started putting together my thoughts for the first episode and getting that on paper and actually finally sitting and recording. I think this is the third attempt at it today. Uh, The first one made it through. It sounded good. Yeah, volume wasn't hardly there. Uh, The last one I was doing, um, batteries. Hey, batteries are dying. You need to uh, turn it off right in the middle. So I'm hoping this one will last now that I'm plugged in completely and, you know, I've done a couple of runs at this um but yeah my my fear and anxiety of doing this has definitely been forcing my hand a little bit so I made that decision when I launched all of my social media sites and the website yesterday to say hey you know what the podcast is going to be up tomorrow that way just kind of forcing myself to adhere to that schedule uh and get over that hump that last bit you know, challenging ourselves is something, you know, a lot of people will, they do because they like to do different things, whether it's, you know, try different food or traveling or uh, just, you know, going on an adventure, climbing, you know, mountain climbing or whatever. For me, um, I love to learn. And this is a way for me to also kind of put that love of learning and uh, the love of history kind of all together, as well as my photography. Um, I, I majored in history. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to teach, but I really enjoyed the research aspect of it, of why did this event happen? What were the root causes? Because I think sometimes in this world, we just talk about what happened, but we don't get to why it happened. And, you know, why 
a lot of things happen. Again, we gloss over that need to really get to that root cause. And I think my mom, though, would be happy that I'm finally using my history degree, as she would say. Um, but the field that I work in, in audit, I've done that now for almost 20 years. We really answer a lot of the same questions when we're going in and doing some in an operational audit or a financial audit it's kind of that the five w's who what where when and why something you know concepts that were really driven into our brains in college as far as as we did our tests and papers um, to really focus on calling those you know key pieces out so you know again welcome this is the first go around and I, you know i hope uh, i have many more of these but, you know, we'll go ahead and get started kind of, you know, what I'm going to focus on over these first couple of podcasts. It's really kind of laying that ground and giving you guys an idea of what's to come. The first group of veterans that I really want to kind of focus on and kind of talk about are our atomic veterans. And many of you may not have heard, you know, about our atomic veterans or that there was even a classification. So, uh, you know, who are they? The National Association of Atomic Veterans website says an atomic veteran is a veteran who participated in atmospheric and underwater nuclear weapons testing between July 16th, 1945 to October 30th, 1962. So obviously that's going to include the bombs that we dropped to end World War II with Japan. Uh, As part of that, really more there at the beginning, but then a lot of testing continued on after that and developments within the nuclear um, program. Some of the additional activities that are included are kind of post-test activities, nuclear warfare maneuvers and exercises, um, the aircrafts that would go up and collect um, radiation cloud samples after the fact, working with radiated test animals, decontamination of those aircraft and field test animals, retrieval and transportation of test instruments and devices. And that's one that we'll talk about um, in the next podcast as we really kind of start to talk about that groundwork that was laid as part of the Manhattan Project because I don't think a lot of people understand really what w- went into the ultimate outcome which were those bombs as far as what the people um, mostly civilians did to get that to happen as well as uh, you know, our military personnel that were part of the occupation forces uh, assigned to Hiroshima and Nagasaki after the detonations, as well as those American POWs that were there near the bomb locations when those were dropped. Some additional activities uh, that are listed for like our veterans that they performed after 1962, because of course that's the main period, but a lot of activity continued on after that. And that would have been power plant techs on nuclear powered aircraft carriers and subs, x-ray techs, and those assigned to the Enoweetak Atoll radiation cleanup projects. And Enoweetak Atoll will be definitely one of the key pieces that we talk about later on. The, um, the first adi- official test, as it you know, started there on July 16, 1945, the code name was Trinity. It happened at Alamogordo, New Mexico. The last test was completed, though, at the Nevada test site in September 1992, uh, there were over 1,100 nuclear tests that had the U.S. participated in. Some of those tests, you know, the bombs never detonated, which was some of those were by design. Others, they just outright failed. Uh, others were designed to gather data, but just how bodies reacted to radiation exposure. 
or just calibrating instruments to, you know, be able to take the correct readings or how to monitor those activities, not only with what the U.S. is doing, but for those other countries to be able to detect that information. Outside of the buildup, you know, obviously of, you know, that started with the Manhattan Project, there really isn't a ton talked about or known, even during my research. It's been slim pickings on some things, whereas there's a ton of information really um, written about the Manhattan Project. But this stuff after the fact is what's kind of at slim pickings. But here over the last 20 years, that has really started to um, change. Uh, the National Association of Atomic Veterans has been one of the guiding forces in that communication to the world um, around what our atomic veterans did. Um, but up until 1996, they were not able to talk about it. So there was an act that was repealed in 1996 and it was the national uh, the nuclear radiation and secrecy agreements act up until then uh, a veteran was not able to go um, to the va for treatment so if they had developed cancer they were on all on their own they would have been denied access to that and many many did develop cancer and die long before the act was even repealed and many still don't even know that 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 act has been repealed and then they can talk about it today one thing that i do know that they talked about is, you know, if there's somebody that you know, your whether it's your your dad or your uncle or your a grandfather that may have participated in the testing and developed cancer, there are actually eligibility for money from the government. Um, uh, the then President uh, George H. W. Bush, back in October of 1990, enacted the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act um, that was set up to give veterans or their surviving family um, money based on what they participated in some of some may be eligible up to $75,000 others are eligible for more than that depending on what they worked on that fund though is um, due to is scheduled to, as they call it to sundown this July and will not be available to many who suffered from the radiation exposure there is a bipartisan bill that has been submitted and introduced to extend that period another 19 years to allow more veterans or their surviving family members to submit documentation to obtain the money that is due to them. Um, it's a fairly simple process to submit. And the National Association of Atomic Veterans lists a lot of the information that would help you submit that to the government and then get that money. So if you go to NAAV.com, definitely get a lot of good information. Our atomic veterans really have only been honored kind of twice in my lifetime. Um, nothing really before that even. Uh, President Reagan in 1983 and then uh, President Biden last year declared July 16th as National Atomic Veterans Day. So I'm going to read the proclamation then I'll um, give a little bit more details on that. So uh, on July 16, 1945, the United States detonated the world's first nuclear device in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Better known by its codename Trinity, the successful test of the first atomic bomb brought forth a new age of science that changed the lives of many of those who served in our armed forces and forever altered the nature and the risks of war. Just weeks later, the world witnessed the horrors of nuclear destruction at Hiroshima and Nagasaki that marked the end of World War II, but opened our eyes to the truth that a nuclear war must never be fought. 
Many brave men and women have risked their lives in service to our nation, but few know the story of our atomic veterans, American military service members who participated in nuclear tests between 1945 and 1962, served with United States military forces in or around Hiroshima and Nagasaki through mid-1946, or were held as prisoners of war in or near Hiroshima or Nagasaki. These veterans served at testing sites like the Bikini Atoll and witnessed the destructive power of nuclear weapons firsthand. On National Atomic Veterans Day, we recognize and honor the contributions of America's atomic veterans for their service and dedication to our nation's security and recommit to supporting our atomic veterans and educating ourselves on the role these patriots played in our national story. Atomic veterans served our nation with distinction, but their service came at a great cost. Many developed health conditions due to radiation exposure, yet because they were not able to discuss the nature of their service, they were unable to seek medical care or disability compensation from the Department of Veterans Affairs for their illnesses. Decades later, in 1996, the United States Congress repealed the Nuclear Radiation and Secrecy Agreements Act, allowing atomic veterans to tell their stories and file for benefits. By then, though, thousands of atomic veterans had died without their families knowing the true extent of their service. Our nation has one truly sacred obligation to properly prepare and equip our troops when we send them into harm's way and to care for them and their families when they return from service. As Commander-in-Chief, I am committed to fulfilling our obligation to the atomic veterans and their families and ensuring that all of our nation's veterans have timely access to needed services, medical care, and benefits. On this National Atomic Veterans Day, our country remembers the service and sacrifices of atomic veterans. Their heroism and patriotism will never be forgotten and will always honor their bravery and devotion to duty. Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim July 16, 2021, as National Atomic Veterans Day. I call upon all Americans to observe this day with appropriate ceremonies and activities that honor our nation's atomic veterans whose brave service and sacrifice played an important role in the defense of our nation. So that was the proclamation that was issued. He issued that on July 15th for July 16th of 2021. But in the meantime, they had also submitted as part of the funding um, later in 2021 to have it added to the Patriotic and National Observations U.S. Code. And as of 12-27-21, number 146 is now National Atomic Veterans Day. So that will be celebrated annually from here on out, which is great for those that are still around. And I hope that we start to recognize their service more. Um, They have that ability to kind of tell their story. The next podcast, though, that I'm going to do is going to go into more of kind of some of those unknown details that you just didn't really hear about with the Manhattan Project and the progression of the nuclear age, you know, which really is still relevant today um, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the concern with activity in and around Chernobyl. Uh, One of the worst nuclear disasters occurred at Chernobyl on April 26, 1986. At that time, it was not Ukraine. It was part of the Soviet Union, but it is now within Ukraine. And I read yesterday or this morning, um, there's actually some fires that are burning in the exclusion zone, which is a zone around Chernobyl where nobody's really allowed to be. 
um, which could cause some issues. So there's concerns still around the activity with the Russians there who are currently occupying Chernobyl and uh, what's happening. And if you want to really kind of get a good idea of what went on those first couple of days and months after that, I highly recommend watching the miniseries on HBO Chernobyl. It, I thought it was incredible. Um, obviously, there's some stuff that they've changed a little bit, um, but it gives a lot of great information. And it really comes down to the fact that the reason why Chernobyl happened is because they chose to cut corners from a cost perspective that allowed the accident to happen uh, based uh, on the fact that had that kill switch that they had been active, it would have been able to uh, stop the explosion that occurred. Sorry for the sound effects. That would be the dog. <laughs> He'll be probably part of a lot of these podcasts going forward. Um, but that's just kind of the groundwork for this one and for the next couple of episodes. Just kind of really diving into a lot of the information around that activity as far as what happened leading up to the fruition of the Manhattan Project with the completed uh, weapons test there on July 16, 1945, and all of the subsequent tests. A couple of my guests here in the future will be my two brothers as we talk about our dad. Our dad is considered an atomic veteran. He passed in 2003 from colon cancer, which as we come to find out years later, was one of the cancers listed on um, the paperwork that said, you know, if you were part of this weapons test and you developed these types of cancers, um, he was eligible for that money. So we were able to get that, uh, unfortunately, after the fact. We obviously would have rather had dad back and not have him passed away from cancer. Um, but at least there was some good that did come out of that. So if you, again, if you know of any family members that would have served during that time period, um, and depending on their location, especially in the Pacific, Navy and Marines were two of the bigger groups that participated as well as the Air Force. They could, you guys could be eligible or they could be. So I want to thank you guys for joining in and listening in to the fir- first podcast, obviously some tech technical difficulties with the dog adding some uh, sound effects that I was hoping he wasn't going to do Uh, but he's a good egg Um, I hope you guys come back um, and I look forward to talking to our veterans and kind of giving voice to their service thanks and uh, we'll talk soon Um, gotta get your feet wet somehow Uh, but I hope you come back and listen you know as I talk with our veterans going forward as we honor them and highlight their service and just give them the, you know, opportunity to share their voice. Um, So thanks. I appreciate it. And we'll talk soon.